Hello and thanks for tuning in. I am that nerd dad, Joe Williamson, and this is that nerd dad podcast. We got an interview show today. I told you I'd be doing more interviews. We got another interview. I think this is the third interview show in a week. I'm lining up a guest for next week. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but today's guest is none other than Scott McGregor of the Hot Wallet podcast. Now, I don't normally do this, but I'm going to read a bio because Scott's bio on his website is just a, you know, chef's kiss of a description. Scott McGregor is a former award-winning broadcaster turned trader based out of Alberta, Canada. He has over 10 years of successful active investing experience and since 2019 has been mentoring retail and institutional traders at stockmarketmentor.com. His history in the media gives him an edge in being able to interpret a lot of information quickly and break it down into straightforward analysis. And uh, I mean, if that doesn't tell you all you need to know, you can find him on Twitter at Scott Trades. Yes, yeah, Scott Trades. I'm double checking. I want to make sure I didn't have it wrong. Um, but look, the thing about Scott is with that history in media, he's able to communicate very complex topics and make it very simple. Uh, it, it's a it's a master class in communication, and it's next. Once I'm done rambling, it's on. So that's enough of me talking. Let's hear the interview. Everyone today, my guest is Scott McGregor, Scotty Trades, Scott Trades on Twitter. Thank you so much for coming, Scott. I appreciate your time today. Hey, man. No, it's great to be here. I love the show. I, you liar. Uh, I, 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 I was saying to you, uh, I've wanted to have you on for a while, uh, but I needed a reason to because I've, I've seen you on Dean Blundell's show. And I'm like, sure, that guy looks cool. I want to talk to him. Uh, but I wanted, <laughs> I'm not that cool. <laughs> Honestly, with the are you a ginger? You kind of look a little gingery. Or is it you know, people tell me that I'm I'm blonde. Actually, I don't know where people get the ginger from, but I'm blonde. Uh, I do have a bit of a red in my beard, but uh, my normal hair comes usually comes across as blonde in pictures. You look like you could be related to me, honestly, because my brother's a ginger, <laughs> and like you could be a cousin or something. Um, but... My beard would probably get a little unruly, similar to yours, if I didn't trim it up like this. So that's why I. Kinda. My brother's full beard, like he's got the the homeless beard, the the, the oh my goodness, the, right the wizard. There. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's copper. It's just copper. It's wow, disgusting. I hope he's listening. Um, <laughs> so look, I wanted to have you on because uh, you are. I'm going to simplify this to the umpteenth degree. You're a day trader. You used to be in radio. Now you're a day trader. Is that fair? I, I think of myself more as a swing trader. Um, you know, day trading What's is someone difference? who is like in and out of positions in a short amount of time, usually a couple of minutes. And for me, I try and hold my positions ideally for a couple of days or a couple of weeks if the positions, uh, you know, allow me to do that. If I don't get taken out or, or, you know, take a surprise loss. And so I typically say swing trader, but it's similar to day trading. Day trading, you know, uh, you can look at a one minute chart and then you're trying to just trade, you know, every couple of minutes. You're selling some here, you're buying some here, you're very active. 
And then, you know, your day is kind of over within an hour. And so for me, as an active investor, I typically try and be a part of longer term trends where I can hold something for a couple of days or a couple of weeks. All right. Obvious question. Why? What? Why do you feel more comfortable with that position versus the the day by day, minute by minute kind of thing? I mean, number one, less stress. Okay. Um, you know, there's a lot of stress that is involved with moving money around, moving large sums of money around in in quick periods. And also there's a chance to have longer and better gains. So, you know, I've seen some day traders on YouTube. Uh, there's this guy, I think it's warrior trading or something. And he has like booms and busts where he's like up 40,000, down a hundred thousand, up 200,000, <laughs> down 60,000. And it, on a day-to-day -day basis. And that my heart just can't take that, Joe. I need like, I need a little bit of a breath. And so I want to be part of a trend where I get to ideally hold a stock or a crypto that goes up a significant amount. And then what I want to do is layer into that trade. So I get outsized gains. I, I get those outsized gains, but by uh, putting more of my account into a single thing for a longer period of time. So if I'm in something and it's working, you know, I'm going to buy something at $50 and then, you know, the next day it's at 52, maybe I'm buying a little more, or maybe I'm selling some and then moving up a stop to break even. And then ideally I want to be part of that overall trend. You know, one of the best trades of the year is a stock called Nvidia and it is up over 100% this year. All you had to do was buy it on the first trading day of the year and hold it. You didn't have to sell it. You didn't have to do anything and you would already be up 100%. And so I like the idea of being up a significant amount without actually having to do anything. So Nvidia, what was the uh what was the pay to play? You're you're saying it's up 100%. What was it what was it initially? What was the initial offering? Um, well, Nvidia has been around for a while. I'm just going to bring out a chart here. So, in uh, in January is around a hundred. You know, the low was around a hundred and forty dollars, yeah. and today it's three hundred. And so, again, you know, I like the idea of other people doing the work for me, and that's yeah. part of being a swing trader: is you let other people, institutions, push the stock up for you so you know i'm just a small little retail guy you know trading little amounts compared to the hundreds of millions of dollars that some of these institutions have and so i want to allow them to buy a stock and mark it up and then just i take part and i uh, i take advantage excuse me of the rise of that equity just with my you know small account so You're does that make wave. sense you're riding the wave yeah yeah yeah, so I want to ride the wave and do less work. And why do I want to do less work? Because then I can do other things. If I'm just actively day trading on a one-minute time frame, for example, you know, I'm buying, I'm selling, I'm buying, I'm selling, I'm, I'm buying a hundred, then I'm selling a thousand, then I'm buying a thousand, then I'm selling a hundred. It's just, it's very, it's just not conducive to what my personality is. You know, I'm typically more of kind of a laid-back, casual guy. I like to look at my stocks and be like, yeah, still making money. You know, I don't, not that I can't do that. I have tried to do that, but I've found that a lot of times I can get in my own way. You know, I can get in my own way where I didn't have to do anything and I still could have made great money, but I got in my own way and I was too overactive and I missed out on that longer term 
trend. You know, where I owned a stock at $14 and then I sold it at 15. And then months later, that stock was over a hundred dollars. And my account was like, you know, it was up, but it wasn't up nearly as much as it could have been if I just let the stock work for me. And so that's the job of kind of a, a position trader and a longer term swing trader is you want to position yourself, enter correctly. You know, I really focus on entries and getting in at the right time and then allowing the market to push, uh, push that stock up. And then me just kind of sit back and, and let it happen. Two thoughts. One, uh, first off, you're making it sound very easy and enticing, and I know it's not. Uh, <laughs> it is hard work. It it's... is hard, especially when you're dealing with with money. Uh, you know, for example, like my account was up, I think it was up over $3,000 yesterday. And then uh, today I was down about 800 on one position. And so, you know, th those are, that's significant swings. Those are significant swings in an account. And so if you don't have the mental fortitude to handle that volatility, I mean, you know, you're basically uh, shark food because uh, the, <laughs> the, the market uh, wizards out there are just going to eat you alive. The other thought was the idea of the, uh, like, you know, the minute by minute trick. How could you comfortably leave your computer? Well, you like, can't. You actually can't. You have to stay laser focused. And, uh, you know, and you, that's not a bad thing break? because like, the reward, imagine. well, Joe, the reward for that laser focus is money in the market. You know, I know someone who is a member of stockmarketmentor.com, which is the website that I, I work for and consult uh, with and I create content for. And he, you know, openly told us in the chat one time, yeah, you know, my wife brings me food. She comes, she picks up my, my uh, drinks. You know, she's bringing me drinks. I ring a bell and she comes and she knows that I can't leave the computer. And, and that's how some people trade. And uh, for me, it's just not a, a lifestyle that I, you know, maybe when my wife is home and we're retired and she's got nothing else to do, I can ring a bell and she can bring me drinks while I'm, you know, actively <laughs> trading and, and having, you know, giving myself a heart attack. Uh, but uh, that's just not a life that I want to live right now. So that's, you know, I, again, it's a lifestyle choice. And that's where trading, you know, can be really interesting because you can have someone like me and someone like you, we can be completely different. We can both make money in the market, but we can do it differently. And so there are really a million different ways to make money in the market. It's really just about aligning your trading strategy with your personality. Do you recommend it? Do I recommend uh, trading yeah. actively? Uh, yeah. 100%. I think everyone should have at least some money in the market because it helps them understand, number one, how the market works. And also just, you know, for the potential to make outsized gains that you wouldn't make having someone else manage your money and chipping away at your life savings with uh, administrative fees and everything like that. So I, I do believe that a portion of your savings that you should actively manage for your own ideas. You know, if you believe in a company like Tesla and, and believe in the electrification of the world and that they will be a leader one day, you know, people, independent investors have made life-changing money betting on that company. And those kind of companies only come around once in a while. You know, you can name them I can name them right now, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Facebook, Tesla, you know, NVIDIA is another one. And so those are life-changing trades, life-changing companies. 
And, you know, there's opportunity. The great thing about North America, America specifically, is that there are some of these revolutionary revolutionary companies coming to market all the time. And so if you develop a strategy for identifying what the potential leaders can be, even with a small amount of money, you can make life-changing money. You know, even with just like my account started with a thousand dollars in a tax-free savings account, you know, and, and now I'm managing six figures in multiple accounts. You know what I mean? And I'm someone who just, I came from nothing. I came from radio where I loved radio, loved the business, loved broadcasting, but it is not a money. It is not a money-making business. You don't get into broadcasting to make money. You get in it for the love of music, for the love of connecting with people, for being part of your community, et cetera, et cetera. And so for so many years of my life, of my adult life, I had no money to my name. I was heavily indebted and uh, you know, was in my overdraft on a month-to-month basis. And by trading in the market and taking advantage of some of these opportunities uh, like Canada had with weed stocks, for example, where you could throw a dart, Joe, and make a thousand percent. Yeah. You could turn a thousand into ten thousand in a couple of weeks. It like it was amazing. And then the trick is, can you hang on to that money once you have it? And so that's where developing a strategy for consistency really comes into play. And so I believe everyone should have at least some, you know, maybe a little pinky toe in the market for themselves, just because there is life changing opportunity there if you are uh, smart enough to take advantage of it. How did you get your start then? So, I mean, you were just saying you were indebted, you know, overdraft protection on a regular basis. Um, and now you're managing six figures. So where is that first step? Where's the entry? Where, where's the, the point of entry for Scott McGregor? Is it you knew an accountant? You knew a guy? It feels like you have to know a guy to help explain <laughs> this to you. So what's the point of entry? Yeah. So I was working in broadcasting at the time and my boss was trading. He was telling me about money that he was making trading in the market. And I thought, huh, I'm, I think I'm smart. I could probably figure that out. And so he was bragging about, you know, oh, I made this much. I did this, I did that. And so I said, okay, yeah, you know, I'll open up a little account and see what I can do. And so I had no strategy really. Um, I opened up a quest trade account and I went to the globe and mail website and I looked up stocks that went up that day. And I said, oh, that makes sense. That's a gold mining stock. Yeah, I think gold is good. Gold's going higher. I keep seeing commercials on TV about buying gold. So I bought a gold mining stock and it went up and, my, and I made money. And, uh, and you know, eventually over time, you kind of compound those gains. And, and it wasn't a straight shot to the moon. You know, I remember I bought one company, it went up and then it went down for many years. And for many years it was down. And I sat on that loss and I was like, well, I don't know. I guess this isn't for me, you know, and then eventually that, that, you know, company that I bought at $4, all of a sudden went to $8. And I was like, Oh, I just, I just doubled my money. Yeah. It took me four years, but I did it. And then I sold and I'm like, okay, so I made money. How can I do this on a consistent basis? I want to figure that out. And I started reading books, going on online forums, watching videos on YouTube and really just studying you know, the greatest traders in the world, what made them the greatest traders in the world? How did they trade? And uh, that's what I've been doing ever since. It, it's just a constant passion of, of uh, you know, trying to improve and, and get better every every day and every year. The idea of 
seeking out information and learning about a topic to become proficient and expert to the point where this is your career now. With that in mind, how dangerous are the TikTok traders, the ones who are preaching money advice? Here's how they made the money. And it's again, you're making it sound simple, but I trust you. I've done my research on you. You're not a 30 second video where I'm like, man, that guy's got it all figured out. How dangerous (laughs) are those people? Yeah, I mean, you got to be careful with anyone. You know, everyone uh, usually has a, a motive of some kind. I don't have a motive. I'm not trying to sell anyone anything. You can have Edward Jones manage your money, and that's fine with me. Um, you know, I think you just got to be careful generally of what are they trying to say. And so it's really important for you to be able to not only take in the information, but interpret why they're telling this to you. You know, I saw this one TikTok where this guy's like, all you need is $50,000 to buy a house. And then you take that money and then you renovate it. And then you get another mortgage on top of that house. And then, oh, by the way, I have a company that does that. And then blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, so he's trying to sell mortgages to people, you know? And so, you know, really kind of interpret not only what they're saying, but why they're saying it. And uh, for me, you know, where I really started to find consistency was in learning about technical analysis, learning about charts. You can see this chart that I have beside me here, you know, learning how to read price action that has been much more valuable than anything anyone on TikTok has ever told me. And, and that is just time in the chair. You know, you really do have to put the time in to understand price action. Like what is price telling you? Price is the ultimate indicator of all the indicators, like you can look at charts and you can see lines going crazy and you have all these wavy lines and, and uh, ticks and, and here and there. But the price of something is the most important indicator. And so if you can, I know people, Joe, that they just read price action, buys and sells. They just look at the buying and the selling and they can tell when the buying is getting more aggressive. Oh, oh, someone's coming in with more money and the buyers are having to reach up higher and higher and they just trade on that. And so what I would recommend again is figuring out what your personality is. Like, are you someone that has the patience to learn how to read charts? Or are you someone that would much rather spend your time reading financials and doing fundamental analysis? You know, my style of trading, it's usually a mix of a little bit of fundamental analysis. You know, I want stocks and companies that have a high level of earnings and sales, but then I also want them on a technical level where I want them, you know, in a, in a tight trading range and then i want to look for that breakout higher out of that tight trading range out of that consolidation and then again that's where i want to buy and then ideally ride that trend higher so that's a strategy that i developed but it took me 10 years to do it you know it's not there are so many people that are like get rich quick uh, you know that they get lucky they buy some call options that they found about on found out about on wall street bets and and now they're living the life and you know like i said before it's not it's not making money that's hard. It's hanging on to that money once you've made it because what can happen, uh, Joe, is that a lot of people, they'll make a lot of money fast in the market and that really is the worst thing that can happen because then all of a sudden you think, oh, I just made $30,000 in three weeks. Well, now I'm going to bet, if I can make that much with a small amount, now I'm going to bet 30000 Again, I'm going to bet it all because it worked out so good before and then that's when you know people end up making mistakes when they get complacent with uh, with the amount of money that they have. Confidence kills. Interesting. It really does. Yeah. And so so you know, as an active investor, 
Uh, I try not to be confident in any of my ideas at all. You have to look at, and, and I know that sounds stupid, but you you really have to look at things objectively and say, especially if you're technically trading, if, if you're fundamentally trading, day-to-day price action is a little less relevant because you have a fundamental thesis and you say, I think this company is going to be worth more in five years. And so, okay, doesn't matter what happens in five years, I think it's going to be higher. And so you have that kind of time frame to, you know, be told whether you're right or wrong for technical traders like i said if i'm looking for a breakout buy you know buying a stock that's breaking out of a base if it breaks out and then falls back down well then obviously i'm wrong it's not working and sometimes you'll see a stock break out break down and then break out again and so you're buying you're selling and then you're buying again or you're buying you're selling and then you see it go up without you and you want to you know blow your brains out <laughs> dark it can be. It can be. <laughs> it's the idea of that that first blip. Everyone hedges their bets. It comes down to earth or below it. Then people kind of smarten up. It goes back up again. Is that kind of the the idea? People yeah, initially. So that, that that, there's actually jump. a term for that because that does happen so frequently. It's called a shakeout. Okay. And so if a, if you know, and I've been shaken out of stocks. Like a stock will be going down, 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 and I'm like, I'm not selling. I'm not selling. It's going down, going down. I'm not selling. And then it goes down a lot. I go, oh God, I better sell. And then I sell right at the bottom. And then, boop, and then the stock goes up like I thought it would, you know? And so these are things that happen to like everyday investors that you're not going to hear them talk about on TikTok. You know, they're not going to tell you about how they sold at the bottom and then had to rebuy at the top. That doesn't happen. But in real life for real traders, real active investors, people who, who like me, who are showing up every day to try and trade this market, that stuff happens. And that's just a part of doing business. And so you just have to accept that that's, going to happen sometimes you know it doesn't happen all the time uh you know it happens less now than it used to because i have a specific strategy that i stick to and i'm consistent with and so it happens less but it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen at all i'm going to pivot a little bit so bear with me for a second we're gonna, i want to talk sure. digital currency because we okay. 20 minutes has gone by quick and well, we can wanna... go as long as you want man i got an, i got another <laughs> half hour for you so what are you doing, brother want, well dean's gonna jump in here soon and want to go live uh <laughs> So, uh, but I want to talk about Bitcoin. Sure. Because I know you trade in digital currency, uh, NFTs, things like that. And um, I know that uh, they tend to, you know, bust your balls a bit on the Dean Bundell show about that sort of thing. Um, and I want to hear your thoughts on what makes Bitcoin valuable. Now, I understand the basics that, you know, it's a supply and demand thing. There are a finite number of Bitcoin or you know they're 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 only making so many they only produce so many at a given moment in time so there's value in that mm -hmm. however what can people actually use bitcoin for today outside of trading for it well joe it's a non-sovereign store of value you know th that's a really easy way to think of it and th and what that means is that there's no one country controlling the supply and demand of BTC. You know, if you think of uh, U.S. dollars, for example, who's in control of the of the dollar supply? Well, the United States government is. You know, th they make the money, they print the money, they distribute the money to the banks, and then the banks allow you to have it or not. And so, you know, that is something that I think a lot of people don't realize is that there's there's no one person in control of Bitcoin and the Bitcoin network. 
And you can't say the same thing about fiat currency. And so that's how I think about um, digital currency and 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 Bitcoin specifically. You know, it's, it's software where it allows you to transfer money peer to peer without a bank being involved at all. Like there's no bank involved. I can send I can send Joe money. He can send it to me. And there's no bank uh, saying, yeah, exactly. What were you using that money for, by the way? You know, and and there's actually a note out from uh, that I, I tweeted out at my Twitter at Scott Trades of some banks in the UK where they said, yeah, we're kind of low on money right now. So if you need to take out a sum greater than $2,000, uh, we will ask you what that money's for. And then we will tell you whether or not you can have it. And, you know, if, if my money's in a bank, I'm thinking, well, that's my money. But what we've learned recently, Joe, in some of the bank failures in the U.S. is that the money that's in the bank is not your money. That's money you gave to the bank. And that technically is their money. And if they lose that money, yes, there is coverage by, you know, the FDIC, like in the U.S., where they covered a certain amount of the deposits, but you gave that money to the bank and they can do whatever they want with it. Where if I put my money into Bitcoin, I get to do whatever I want with it. There's no one else saying, hey, thanks. I'm going to give this to Joe so he can put a second mortgage on his house. And hopefully Joe pays us back. Thumbs up, everyone. <laughs> you know, that that's not how it works. Bitcoin is a, it's a you know digital store of value. It's also a peer-to-peer -peer network. And it's also a network that people can build things on top of. And so right now, as you know, we have a lot of price volatility when it comes to Bitcoin. People go, well, how is this going to be a, a currency? It can't even hold a single price. And, and uh, you know, what I've found out is uh, it, it's not just about that. It's also about the, the network itself and the network of Bitcoin itself has a lot of value. And so the value of the Bitcoin network is derived from the amount of people that are using the network and the amount of transactions back and forth on that network. So if people are like, ah, well, you know, why does it cost so much to have one Bitcoin? It's because the, the value of that network is so high because so many people are relying on that network. And you can say the same thing about Facebook. You know, why is Facebook valuable? Well, they have a lot of eyeballs. There's a lot of people using Facebook products and they're connecting a lot with each other. And advertisers can leverage those eyeballs to make money for them. And so the only difference is with Facebook is you are the product and you don't get to participate in the growth of that network. Where with Bitcoin, for example, if I own Bitcoin and I'm holding my value in Bitcoin, the more people that start using the Bitcoin network, the more valuable that network becomes and the more I get to accrue value because I'm invested in that network. Is there, and, and I think maybe this is the part that I'm, I'm struggling with, where is the end user for Bitcoin? Because the idea of money, whatever the transaction is, you use it to purchase something. Is Bitcoin readily used to be able to purchase goods and services sure yeah so i mean it is a store of value much like gold is a store of value okay. and so you can look at it in that way uh there's actually a company in the united states they don't operate in canada yet but they just rolled out to about three billion other people around the world canada is a little behind and they're called Strike. And we just had the Bitcoin uh, conference this past weekend. His name is Jack Maulers. And he announced, uh, you know, more, uh, more evolution with Strike and the Lightning Network on Bitcoin. And so what, what he has essentially set up, Joe, is he has allowed 
retailers to be able to accept Bitcoin as payment. And they can take that payment as Bitcoin or it can be converted to any currency you want. And so if I'm traveling to El Salvador, for example, where Bitcoin is a legal tender there, I can pay with Bitcoin and they can accept it as Bitcoin or they can accept it as US dollars, which is their other currency. And so I think that that has value because that means I don't have to go and get an exchange of dollars. You know, if I'm going to Mexico, maybe I want US dollars. And then maybe I also want pesos. And, and, you know, all of a sudden I have all these currencies in my wallet where now what you could do is you could essentially pay with your Bitcoin Lightning wallet. It'll zap it over within seconds, just like a debit payment. And then that retailer gets to decide, do I want this in US dollars? Do I want this in pesos? Or do I want to accept this in Bitcoin? And so that's something that's happening now and has been happening for a while, not happening in Canada just yet, but it is being uh, rolled out to uh, many retailers around the world. That's amazing. See, that that's exciting to me, that last part, the idea of, because for um, the dum-dums of the world who hear Bitcoin being thrown around, and it tends to be a bit of a, feels like it's a joke and things like that, but I know investors are uh, believe in it. Um, I think the, the the barrier to entry for a lot of us is, and Locke has said this to you before, it's not real, you can't do anything with it. Well, no, now we can. Now, now, now guys can, now, now the consumers can do something with that Bitcoin that they've earned or accumulated or whatever the case is. It's not just used to acquire more Bitcoin. That's right. Yeah. And so that's what, I mean, that's just one of many ways that you can use the Bitcoin network right now. They're also working on, uh, you know, being able to essentially uh, write products into the blockchain and so like uh right now there's something called ordinals and it's kind of like nfts but on the bitcoin blockchain and the the blockchain essentially is then the base layer it's the confirmation layer it's the one that you can point to to say yeah see this exists and it's public and it's on the ledger and so i own that you can tell because you can look it up and so that's just one of many ways that people are using bitcoin right now and some of these other cryptos like there's five thousand plus other cryptos not all of them are trying to be money, Joe. Some of them are trying to be just networks. Some of them are just dealing with property and houses, you know, being able to, you know, if I buy your house, how many people do we have to go through? We got to go through like four or five different people. My lawyer, your real estate agent, my real estate agent, your lawyer, you know, et cetera, et cetera, where it's really just a transaction between you and me. And so if I, you know, th there is a way where if I wanted to buy your house for the full cash price, I could just transfer you that over the Bitcoin network. And then you would have that. And then you would send me the NFT for your house. And then I would have your ownership right here on my phone. You know, something like that. Like, again, I'm just kind of spitballing here a little bit. I do talk about that a little bit in my latest podcast, uh, which is about NFTs and meme coins. Uh, my friend Brett and I talk about the different use cases for NFTs. Right now, it's starting out very playful. It's pictures of monkeys and this and that. But if you think about the internet, the internet started out very playful. It was, hey, look, I can talk to my friend and I can do this. And, oh, you know, we'll never transact on the internet because it's not safe. What happened? The software evolved. They fixed it. Now you put your credit card in the internet and you don't even think about it because those safety protocols are in place. And so I think my belief is, personal belief, not investment advice, is that 
these networks are only going to get stronger, safer, better, and uh, and you know the best technology will ultimately end up winning. Right now, the number one crypto is Bitcoin. It was really the first one out there. It's been the leader. And so it's uh, definitely one that I think while some of these other tokens are interesting and exciting, I think you got to, uh, you know, have some props for Bitcoin that has lasted, you know, well over 13 years and hasn't stopped uh, since it came out. He's Scott McGregor. Where can they find their podcast, my friend? Yeah, so check out my website, hotwallet.ca. Uh, that's my podcast website. website. Like, and then also- I was on it today. I was like, I want to steal it. What's that? Yeah, I was on your website today uh, doing a little, little research. Okay. Once in a while, I research before my guests. And uh, I was like, oh, this is a good website. I want to steal your formatting. But go on. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> well, I can, Sorry, I, didn't teach you, I can teach you how to have that. Uh, yeah, so it's hotwallet.ca. You can follow me at Scott Trades. And then I do stock uh, trading, mentoring, and swing trading with a website called stockmarketmentor.com. Scott, I appreciate your time today. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Joe. It's nice to meet you. Yeah, right. Finally, <laughs> See you. that's it. It's the interview. Thank you so much to my guest, Scott McGregor of Hot Wallet Podcast and StockMarketMentor.com at uh, Scott Trades on Twitter. Uh, I just I cannot wait to find something to talk to him about again because I want to talk to him again in a nice formal setting like this. And I think the conversation could have gone a little longer, but I had to get out. I had uh, someone waiting to take over the recording studio if that's what you want to call it. So um, shout out to him and shout out to the whole Cryer Media Network. I just, I love this network. I, lo I love what we're doing here. Um, if you missed the big announcement last week, we added Charles Adler, legendary broadcaster, Charles Adler to the network. And uh, I've got a, two shows now. I've got this podcast, which is available through your uh, ear hole on all the podcast channels as well as YouTube. And then I'm also doing a secondary daily-ish show, <laughs> excuse me, just for YouTube called The Town Crier, where I recap what's trending on crier.co. So check out all that. Tell a friend, uh, tell a relative, tell an enemy. Be well, be safe. And where is my son's voice? Here it is. For listening. Damn. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. 
Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at averyrich.com.